0: Of Japan, this is Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles
1: Lee. And this is the Grok Science Show. Yeah, that's
0: right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mr. Robert Prunetti will join us to discuss wireless therapy. In addition, Mr. Daryl Adams will join us to discuss cloud computing. So stay tuned for all this. Plus the Grokotron 5000. And your world famous question a week. Coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show. the Grok's science show well recent advances in modern therapeutics is allowing patients recovering from strokes or other disorders of the nervous system to rapidly begin to rehabilitate their bodies just how effective are some of these new therapies well joins today to discuss this issue is mr robert prunetti mr prunetti is the ceo of performance health technologies and he joins us today to discuss the field of wireless therapy and brain games mr prunetti thank you very much for joining us today on the Grock science show
2: well, it's great to be with you here today, and please call me Bob. We don't we don't need to be formal, but it's great to be with you and talk about what we do at Performance Health Technologies.
0: Well, I think it's really a very fascinating uh, field here, but I'm curious to the idea behind wireless therapy and maybe how it differs from some of the other uh, therapies that are out there. Sure,
2: absolutely. Well, basically what, what our device does is called Cortex, and what it does is it uses essentially gaming technology to help people rehabilitate from stroke, from brain injuries, from surgeries, you know, knee surgery, shoulder surgery, you know, whatever the case may be, any any types of injuries at all. And it hastens the pace of rehabilitation by employing what's known as neuromuscular reeducation. Neuromuscular reeducation engages the brain as well as the joints and muscles. And by doing so, it repairs this neuromuscular pathway, which then again, helps your body to resume normal functioning. And so what our technology does is basically it's a game on the screen. It's a simple game. It's nothing complex. It could be more complex, but right now we're sticking to basics. And the idea is, is that you watch what happens on a screen, much like a video game, and then you react to it. So right now we have an icon on the screen, a, a ball that moves. And then you are another diagram on the screen, in this case a box. And what you have to do is to keep the box over the ball as the ball moves across the screen. Almost like a ping pong table kind of thing. And what you're doing is you're following that ball and you're trying to be in sync with that ball. That's one game. Another game is a magnet, for example, where you are a sort of metal ball. And the idea is to keep that metal ball over a target. At two ends of the spectrum are magnets that are pulling that metal ball either way. And your job is to keep that steady over a target. And that's for fine motor skills, balance techniques, you know, things like this. So we design games specifically for certain types of rehabilitation. The technology simply reads motion. I shouldn't say simply. It's more complex than that. But it reads motion. So we are able through our device to read human motion data. We then take that data. There's nothing terribly unique about that. There's products out there that can do that. The Wii, for example, you know, that's kind of what it does. It's, it's reading human motion, but it's, it's actually an estimator of human motion. We actually take specific and exact measurements, and we take that data, and we translate it into something readable on, on your computer screen. So that's essentially what it is. It's a game. You play the game. What it does is it engages the brain, concentration, and while moving muscles and joints at the same time. And it's very, very engaging. That's part of the therapy. The fact that it's not a boring, laborious kind of exercise that you need to do, it's engaging, it's competitive. The competitiveness feature of it through scores. And you find people trying to beat their score, you know, all the time, and you can make the game harder, easier, longer, shorter, whatever is in the best interest of the patient in terms of a rehabilitation program.
0: I see so in a way this technology allows the patient to strengthen the area which has been affected.
2: That's exactly right. And the games can be modified to account for exercises that need to be done in each patient's particular case. What we have is a few basic games, but what you do is you tailor the game. In other words, the angle of movement on the game, the difficulty of the game, the length of time those kinds of things you can change, and you tailor it to your patient. But the game itself is is basic for all patients. It's just that you sort of calibrate it differently, depending on the injury and the exercises that need to be done.
0: So is this uh, approach to uh, stroke rehabilitation for relatively new or novel in, in the whole uh, field? of?
2: Well, you know, the concept is not novel. The concept of neuromuscular rehab education is not novel, there's a huge body of research that shows where the use of this method of rehabilitation is very effective. But the use of a device like Cortex is relatively novel. I mean, we believe in terms of what we do, we're pretty much the only device out there, particularly in our price range, that does this. But in recent months, uh, within the last year, you read a lot about rehabilitation centers using the Wii, you know, the game, the Wii by Nintendo. For rehabilitation purposes. Now, it has the effect of rehabilitation. I mean, it can enhance rehabilitation, I should say, but it is not designed specifically for rehabilitation. But what therapists found out is that by engaging the patient, by having them concentrate and using visual audio feedback to send signals, you know, from the brain to a muscle group, it had rehabilitative effect and impact. And so, The idea of using this is relatively novel, using a game, using a device in rehab. Ours is just specifically designed for rehab, so it's, uh, we believe, far more effective. And the data that you get from it in, in terms of performance, you can't get that from the Wii or any other device that's out there in this field. Uh, we collect data on performance in terms of accuracy, your performance in terms of range and motion, your performance in terms of uh, compliance, you know, in terms of doing the exercise, how many times you did it, when you did it, all of that data we compile through the device and our software. Hmm.
0: So is sort of engaging the brain in this way with, you know, multiple modalities, visual, auditory, et cetera, does that lead to more neuroplasticity in the brain?
2: That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And... By being able to do the the repetitions, you know, we always hear about the proprioceptive parts of rehabilitation and how effective that might be. That's what this does. In other words, you know, you can do, and I'll just take an example, you can do an arm curl. And you can just sit there and do that arm curl. You do as many reps as your therapist says and you do it so many times a week or whatever the case may be. It's very boring to a patient, very laborious. They don't get any feedback from that. Now, using Cortex, you can do that same arm curl, and you can use weights. I mean, Cortex can be used with weights, bands, any type of resistance, and other types of equipment. It can be used with it all. But here, when you're doing that arm curl, you're watching whatever's happening on the screen, and you're doing that arm curl at the same speed, and you're moving it in the same direction as the game is essentially telling you to do. So now you're getting a score, you're engaged, you're getting that visual, auditory feedback from it, and it becomes engaging. And that's, of all the science we put into this, most therapists come back, particularly when it involves brain injury and stroke survivors, they all come back and they say, you know, the best part about this is, is that our patients are engaged. They actually want to do this. They get a little competitive with it. And we like that because that's we need that motivation to have the greatest efficacy in our rehabilitation.
0: So just how efficacious is this compared to other methods?
2: Well, we don't have, I'm going to be very honest, we don't have clinical studies. We're about to begin some now. We don't have clinical studies that scientifically can demonstrate the efficacy of using this method versus some other method. We have anecdotal data, we have some case studies that show it was very effective in terms of compliance, in terms of the length of time. But we don't have any scientific studies that I can point to. However, what we do have, we have plenty of studies, a large body of evidence that shows that the method we use is very efficacious. So that what we do is we say, okay, neuromuscular rehabilitation, the feedback, all that has been demonstrated. When you employ those methods, rehabilitation is enhanced. So all we do is we take a tool. We use the methods, ingrain it in the tool, we embed it in the tool, and we perform the exercises. So, by taking that body of evidence, using the methodology, creating a tool to do that, that's how we believe that the efficacy is greater than just using your normal equipment, bands, and things like that.
0: I'm curious, do you think that this sort of approach uh, will become a little bit more widely adopted? I think
2: so. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Frankly, We've been finding that in order to sell these units, it takes time and it takes a lot of hands-on because it's technology. You're not selling really another piece of equipment, you're selling technology. And so most therapists have to get comfortable with it. They have to see it working with their patients and uh, usually we do 30, 60, 90 day trials, maybe even more before a particular therapist or institution, your rehab institution adopts it. So, it's time-consuming. It's going to take a while. But after it becomes that you know, our goal is for this to become the norm, to become the standard of care in therapy, to use a device, if not ours, some sort of device like this. So I think it will be. You're going to go into any private therapist's office a couple of years in the future, and you're going to see they have a piece of equipment like this. You know, the other interesting part about this is, and hopefully we'll have this out by the end of the first quarter of next year, is it'll be Internet-enabled. So for example, you're treating a patient, inpatient, or even an outpatient, and they're done with the visits that insurance will cover. They go home. Most time, most of them will tell you they wish they could do more rehabilitation. Well, we're going to provide a way for that to be done inexpensively through the Internet so that they can buy a home version of the device, which is less expensive click on to their hospital, clinic, whatever the case may be, doctor's office through the internet, and they can continue to receive therapy through the internet by having their therapist, their professional, load a program for them, load an exercise program for them, send it to their home, they do their exercises, goes back to their professional, it's evaluated, modified, go back, so they can continue therapy in a remote location. And this will be particularly effective, for example, veterans' hospitals where one of their issues is access. So many times, you know, our vets are coming back from current conflicts and past conflicts, and one of the problems is is that, you know, after they're done with their stay at the VA facility, they have to get to the outpatient facility, and some of these people don't live close to it, so access becomes a problem. This is a way for the VA to solve that problem of access. You know, we're excited about it. I think we can do an awful lot of good for many, many people. I think the ability to continue therapy in a remote location, the ability to have measurable results that they can see. I mean, we measure every degree. So even if it's not noticeable, from the naked eye, they can see on the screen where they've improved from a 10-degree range of motion to a 15-degree range of motion. That kind of motivation, I think, is is what's new and what's required in rehabilitation. And we're just very, very happy to be able to have the technology to bring to this field of rehabilitation.
0: All right. Well, Mr. Pernetti, I do want to thank you very much for uh, joining us today on the Grok Science Show and talking about, uh, really, this very fascinating issue.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: And you were just listening to Mr. Robert Prunetti discussing wireless therapy. This is the Grox Science Show. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, Mr. Daryl Adams will join us to discuss cloud computing. So stay tuned. to the Grok's Science Show. Well, the rapid advances in modern computing and the internet have led to the development of many novel applications that utilize these technologies. But one of the many concerns for users is data storage, which may take advantage of this method of cloud computing. Well, join us today on the Grok's Science Show to discuss this issue is Mr. Daryl Adams. Mr. Adams is the director of software development of Spare Backup, which is a totally automated online backup service. He joins us today to discuss cloud computing and data storage. Mr. Adams, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, well, it's really our pleasure and certainly a very fascinating issue, but I'm curious if maybe you can explain just exactly what is cloud computing?
1: Cloud computing is, is the concept of keeping your files, your, your data, your digital photos, your music, on servers that, that aren't in your house. They're over the internet on remote storage servers somewhere. In addition, couple that with interesting applications to access, to manage, and to manipulate those files. They can be in different places on the internet. They're they're usually stored in a data center somewhere in in the country or in, in a different country where they have literally large racks of lots and lots of hard drives that keep the data. The interesting thing is that they are accessible to you on your personal computer through the internet.
0: I see. And so how is this uh, distinguished from other forms uh, like grid computing or utility computing?
1: Well, I think the push with cloud computing is to reach out to the mass market, to reach out to people that don't necessarily need to know all the technical details, that uh, want convenience with their data, that maybe don't want their own personal computer to be a critical component in the access of their content.
0: And so what are some of the uh, common applications that have been made use of cloud computing?
1: Well, if you look out there, there's the internet uh, sharing services, the social networking services uh, like Facebook and uh, MySpace are some big ones. We specialize initially in online backup, where a spare backup lets you back up your files from your computer so that uh, it's not the only copy you have, and then what you can do with it after that. And and they're pushing, if you hear Web 2.0, that's a big space. What can you do with your pictures once they're in the sky? Can you print them out? Can you share them with your friends? Can you send them to your parents easily? Those are some of the big common ones.
0: And so is this uh, notion of data storage backup a, a new one for cloud computing?
1: No, I don't think uh, it's entirely new for cloud computing. All of the data that you have to put out there in the cloud and all of the Internet-based applications that you can do need to store your data somewhere. I think online backup specifically has not been the initial target with a lot of these applications. Has been not been the initial focus. Some people have used it as sort of a... Uh, secondary place to store some of their content but it's not really targeted at that until we come along and write this backup application which is first targeted to protect your files and then what else can you do once your files are backed up from your computer you you can access them from any computer through the Internet Uh, that's number one convenient go to the web application just like you would go to your web browser for email or browsing the Internet sign in and you can access your files that way. You can look at your pictures. You can download files. We have a a new product that's ready to launch soon called the Spare Room where you're going to be able to share those files with your friends and family. You can automatically email them when they back up. Imagine that you take a digital photo. It saves on your computer. Spare Backup automatically backs it up to the sky. Now our web application automatically detects that you've Back that up and sends it to your, uh, your parents' house or to your, your sisters and brothers to see all, all of your latest pictures. Coming soon, as well as a streaming of music. Can you access that content on your mobile phone? Can you listen to the music that you've backed up from your computer? Can you view the pictures that you've taken on your mobile device? All of these are interesting applications that deal with the data that you have now on these Internet storage devices. Any place. Anytime, time, anywhere that you have an Internet connection, you can now see your pictures, listen to your music, access your Word documents, and recover your files. Mm-hmm.
0: Do, you, do you see as this kind of uh, data storage architecture is becoming more common now with a, with a greater move towards wireless devices?
1: I think so. I think you have two components that are pushing it forward. One, the distribution of the Internet. The Internet is in more and more homes and as people sign up for their cable internet or for their DSL, you're getting high-speed internet, making the capabilities of sending files back and forth over the internet much quicker. Uh, Similarly with the mobile devices, you have the 3G network that facilitates it, that sort of digital traffic in a much more accessible way to users. Prices on all of these services are coming down. So therefore, you're no longer talking specifically about the high-end business home office user but people that don't even know what files are.
0: Uh, I'm curious, how uh, safe are the files that are actually stored on a cloud computing network?
1: It's a very important question whenever, with every service that you use on the internet. As a user, always ask yourself, who else can get to these files? With spare backup, we we pride ourselves in the level of security we have built into our, our software. We encrypt the file before it ever leaves your computer. This encryption is done to the standards that your bank account is encrypted that protects your money, so it is safer than your money. When that file is then sent to our server, it's sent over a secure channel, which adds a further level of encryption. In addition, we at Spare Backup do not have access to your encryption key. That key that encrypts and protects your data is crucial. Anybody that has that key can decrypt your files. I lead the software development. I have access to every single file and every bit of software that runs on our servers. But I cannot recover, I cannot decrypt any single user's files on our system. And that's the way we're going to keep it. Not all services out there provide that level of security. With that level of security, our goal is to get all of the users backed up onto our server because once it's there, that file is safer with us than it is with the users. Your files are safer with us than they are with you. You can drop your computer. You can accidentally delete a file. There's all sorts of mistakes that you can make that will damage or lose your file. If it's on our servers, you can always get it back. Another question to ask yourself in case of disaster, there's, let's say, a flood or a fire or a hurricane is coming your way and you only have time to grab a few things out of the house, chances are you're not going to take your computer. So if you have online backup solution, that fire comes, burns your house, doesn't matter. You can still get your files.
0: How aware do you think most people are about the importance of data backup?
1: If you ask them, they become aware. (laughs) That's what we've found. Uh, People don't tend to think about it. But as soon as they do, they start to realize, wow, they need this. When I do ask that question to people about what would you take with you, the answer is overwhelming. It's I'm going to take my baby pictures. I'm going to take my kid's baby pictures. I'm going to take my, maybe my passport's in there. Maybe. You can get that back. These days with digital cameras and most of the photography being digital, the question becomes, what if your computer, what if one day you turned your computer on and you couldn't get to any of those pictures? The computer wouldn't even come on. At that point, people realize, wow, I need your service. I need spare backup.
0: Are there any particular examples you have of the sort of cloud computing backup being used to avoid very disastrous situations?
1: Uh, Well, a few off the top of my head. We did have a a digital photographer, one who runs his business that way, using our service. That's exactly what happened. He did a DVD backup and a a hard drive backup and used us for backup. And he said that a fire came through, he lost all of his media backup, he lost his computer, and was able to recover through spare backup, as soon as he had a computer that was connected to the internet. Uh, and That saved his business. There were people that needed those files, that had their wedding pictures, had baptism pictures, had all kinds of pictures that they couldn't retake that he was able to recover. I personally have used the service twice while I've been working on it to recover my own personal documents, and one time we had laptops stolen from our office, and we were able to recover the data that was on that laptop.
0: Uh, I'm curious, is, is this sort of method of backing up data very easy to use?
1: Very easy. Again, what I mentioned is that we're targeting users that don't even know what files are. We want them to be able to back up their important pictures and music and emails and any other content that they create on the computer. Computers should be easy to use. You shouldn't have to understand them in order to be able to use them, and, and they're getting there. So backup should be the same way with spare backup sign up for the service one or two clicks you're installed and you don't have to think about it ever again set it up forget about it and we guide you through the setup as well if you ever need to recover very easy click recover my pictures recover all my files one one button click to recover everything and if that's too much trouble if that's being difficult log in chat with our customer care department or give us a call and we'll guide you through it
0: are are there any limitations on the types of files that can be stored
1: Not limitations. If you're an advanced user, you can pick any file you want. Uh, Our software is intended to be smart uh, and search your computer for files that you would want to back up. For instance, you probably don't need Microsoft Word, the program itself, backed up. You don't need the Windows operating system backed up. What you want are the pictures that you've created and the Word documents that you've created. That's what you want backed up. So that's what our service looks and finds.
0: Well, I'm curious, we are running slightly out of time, but if you have any sort of final words regarding cloud computing in general and this issue of data storage?
1: Well, I, I think you don't want to wait until you need it to to decide that you want it. So once your data is gone, your data is gone. And for a very low cost, for less than you would spend to back it up on your own home media, you can use spare backup, and it's always there for you, and it's secure.
0: Is there any sort of uh, advances in developments of cloud computing networks?
1: That's something that's growing as well. All the major industry players out there, the OEMs, the operating system people, are all creating devices, they're creating services, they're creating pieces of technology that talk and work well together. For this idea of accessing your data from anywhere, from any of these devices, have them all work well and play well together, now this one computer is no longer your portal to your your content. Any device that you have can get to your pictures, your music, your other
0: content. Well, uh, Mr. Adams, I do want to thank you very much for joining us today and uh, talking about this whole issue of cloud computing and data storage on cloud computing networks. Sure.
1: Thank you for having me. Okay. If you do
0: have a few minutes, though, we would like to play the game, the Grokatron 5000.
1: Oh, absolutely. Sounds like fun.
0: All right. Here we go. We're ready to play the game. It is the Grokatron 5000, our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, single copy or backup? So for the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think a single copy is sufficient or we definitely need to back them up. Uh, Mr. Adams, you ready to play the game? Yes, I am. Okay, here we go. Single copy or backup? Person number one is Donald Trump.
1: Well, I think you need a backup. (laughs) Person that can go and change the world and just worlds of entertainment.
0: (laughs) Certainly as toupee is anyway. (laughs) Person number two, uh, Apple CEO Steve Jobs.
1: Well, wow, that's another good one. Again, I would like to see a backup of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs has done some tremendous things in the industry and just a legend in, in the computer science world. As a software developer myself, you can't have enough.
0: All right, uh, number three is the uh, golfer Tiger Woods.
1: Wow, I, th- I think a single copy there is what you need. You need a hero like Tiger Woods to come out and, and just dominate like, like he does.
0: Uh, number four is the uh, pop starlet Britney Spears.
1: Oh, single is plenty. <laughs> More than enough.
0: All right. (laughs) Can we
1: archive that file somewhere?
0: (laughs) Okay, and finally, number five, it's the president of the United States, George Bush.
1: Well, once again, I think I have to go a single single copy here. Um, You can use your own reasons.
0: (laughs) Okay, fill in the blank there. (laughs) All right. uh, Well, Mr. Adams, I I do want to thank you very much for sticking around, uh, playing our game, the Grokatron 5000, and, of course, talking about cloud computing and data storage. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Have a good day. You too, Bye. Bye. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok
0: Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here
1: at Grok's, you can email us at grok's at hotmail.com. For the Grok Science Show, I'm Frank Ling.
0: And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grok's.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.